Let us read the word of the Lord here. Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Let's pray. God of all creation, Father, we come before you and we wish to be humble in your sight. Lord, I thank you that you've given us a strong foundation in this church and that God, you wish for the word to be proclaimed. Lord, no man is adequate for this task. Only you, working through men, can proclaim your word. So Lord, as I stand here today, please allow me to be filled with your spirit that you would give your word. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Last week we looked at the introduction of the letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome, we know he had a great desire to come to them, not only to preach the gospel, but to share spiritual gifts with them. We also looked at one of the things that is addressed when you preach the gospel, and that's the depravity of man. How man, through his depravity and sin, is destitute to the penalty of death and ultimately eternal hell. So again, this week we are going to continue looking at these four points that I have of the gospel. The word gospel literally means the good news. So when you say, when you're using the word gospel, you are saying it is the gospel of Christ, the good news of Christ. When the gospel of Christ is proclaimed, these four things are being addressed. Number one, the depravity of man. Number two, the righteousness of God. Number three, the salvation of Christ. And number four, the forgiveness of God. Today, we're going to look at the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God is the standard of God. It's the standard of who God is, and it's the standard which God judges everything. Scripture tells us that we are obedient slaves, either slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness. We see that in Romans six sixteen it says, Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. If you are obedient to sin, then you are in opposition to God. If you are obedient to righteousness, then you are of God and you are set apart from the world. So many ask, what does that mean? What does it mean to be obedient? 
righteous? What does it mean to be set apart? And what does that look like? Many times in Scripture, we see that it proclaims God as holy. Okay? Leviticus 11.44 For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. And you shall not make for yourselves unclean with any of the swarming things that swarm on the earth. God declares that He is holy and that we are to be holy because of that. Here in Leviticus, God is giving Israel His laws. And the laws that He's given them is about almost everything you could think of, the aspect of your life. What you're to eat, what you're to wear, how you're to act, they're to keep the Sabbath, and so on. There's, there's so many things. And the reason for that is because God's saying, Israel, you are my people. You are set apart, and this is my standard. I do not want you to look like the world. So God says, you are to do these things so that you do not look like the world. You are set apart from the world. However, the nation of Israel, they took these things and they corrupted it, just like man corrupts everything. They wrote books like the Talmud on ways to keep the law. And through that, they put such heavy burdens on the people. They put so much stock in these writings and they complicated the law. So much so that they thought that they could cause Jesus to stumble. Matthew twenty-two, thirty-six through 38 we see that uh, Jesus is being questioned by the Pharisees. And they say, Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was able to simply sum the whole entire law up into two commands. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. God made it simple. Okay? But man corrupted it and made it a burden. God wanted them to be as He is with His standard. And that standard is perfection. Nothing's changed today. God still wants His people to be holy and righteous. We see this in New Testament, 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. God designed man for this. 
God designed man originally to be in holy perfection with Him. Look at Genesis 1, 26-28. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in His own image, in the image of God, He created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God created man in his own image. What's the image of God? God is sinless, perfection, righteous, and blameless. God created man in sinless, perfection, righteous, and blameless before God. And again, man corrupted it. One thing I want to note, we as man see things from our viewpoint. Okay? We see things in the world today. We see sin. We see death. We see circumstances that we find ourselves in. And men get mad at God for all this. But I want you to realize this. I want to see this from the perspective of God. God never did anything wrong. Again, I say, God never did anything wrong. He only created man in perfection. He only gave man everything he could ever need. Everything. He was the father of Adam. Adam didn't have a father, an earthly father. He had God as his father. He created him. And God only had one rule. And in disobedience, man broke that rule. God has never had an offense against man. Not once has God ever had an offense against man. It is always man who continually offends God. And yet God tells us to be holy as I am holy, to live to the standard of perfection. He says this both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We see that in 1 Peter 1.16, Be holy for I am holy. And we see that in Leviticus 11.44, which we saw before. So the question is, how does unholy, sinful man, imperfect, live to that standard? The truth? You really want it? We can't. There's no way. We can't. We cannot live to that standard. 
In and of ourselves, we can't do it. But look at what it says in our text here in Romans 1.17. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. So God tells us that it's through faith that we can live in this manner. It's through faith that we can do this. But it's not faith in ourselves. What does this faith look like? What is faith? Look at Hebrews 11.1. God gives us the definition of faith. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. We have an assurance of a hope in Jesus Christ that we can be saved. But we physically cannot see that. We cannot see Christ physically face to face at this moment. So we have an assurance through Scripture and through God that we can have this. We can have this salvation. So the questions again, what are we to have faith in? How are we to get this faith? Galatians 2.16 says, Nevertheless, knowing the ma- that man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Since by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. So it says here, our faith comes through Jesus. We are shown that we can't be justified by doing the law or good works. We can't follow the standard of God in perfection. It has to be done through Christ. Romans 10.17, we look at how we are to come about this faith. It says, so faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. We have to hear it to be able to have faith. We have to hear it to believe. Someone has to tell us. There is no coming about it by, you know, just some audible voice in the air comes to you. No, somebody has to tell you. We've been instructed that we are to preach the gospel to all the world because there needs to be someone who tells the world of Christ. If we never hear about Christ, how are we to put our faith in Him? But there's another part to this. If we look at Ephesians 2.8, 
For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Did you see that? It is by grace a gift from God. We are saved through faith, which is a gift from God, and it is not of ourselves. We cannot do that. We cannot give ourselves that gift. We cannot give anybody else that gift. It has to come from God. It's not a result of your works, because God is to have the glory in all of this. We as men are not to have that glory. We are not to boast about this. So we've been given faith as a gift from God. We've been given faith as a gift from God. And what is that faith? What is it? It is faith in Jesus Christ so that we may be saved. Next week, we're going to look at the salvation work of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank You, Lord, that You are the great author of our faith. Lord, that no one can boast. No man can boast. Lord, I thank You that uh, You've given us this time together. Lord, I ask that we would be able to enjoy ourselves with lunch afterwards here, that uh, we could have good fellowship. Thank you, Lord, for everything. Amen.